And let us start with Shraddha's question. She says, she's unfortunately couldn't be here today. She's not feeling well, so she had to go get some medication for herself. But she asks a question like this. I have a question about an aspect of Krishna's personality and came across a tiny book of the same name. In it, there is a statement by Srila Rupa Goswami that Krishna is dependent on his devotees in three different ways. As most perfect, as very perfect, and as perfect. This is also associated with where Krishna appears and his degree of fullness of how he is exhibited. How does this degree of perfection relate to his aspects of personality as he is analyzed? Dirodatta, Diralalita, Diraprasanta, and Dirodhata. I can also contact the author of the book, but I wondered what you think of this question first, even though you may have answered it before. Thank you and Pranam Guru Maharaj. Yes. Um, it, I'm not familiar with that book, but it's uh, obvious that he is uh, drawing uh, entirely from Ujwal Nilmani, a book of Rupa Goswami. It is the sequel to his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, one of the things that Rupa Goswami does is go through and uh, show the um, uh, ecstatic ingredients of the various rasas. But with regard to Madhurya Rasa, he gives a very brief description. And the reason for that being that, well, he intended to write a sequel, which is Ujwal Nilmani, which is a very expanded discussion about the nature of Madhurya Rasa. It basically consists of um, definitions of terms uh, that are often explained through examples, legal examples. Um, but uh, the beginning of the book which is what the um, author of the book you're referring to is drawing from, describes the um, the hero and the heroine and um, and the perfect hero in a drama, romantic drama is Krishna, of course, and Radharani in a um, in the context of Bhakti Rasa, Radharani being the heroine. The Nayaka and the Nayika. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he gives a list of, I think it's 96 different types of heroes and, and, um, 300 something different types of heroines. So this is all speaking about different, uh, emotional sides, if you will, of Radha and Krishna. With regard to Radha, they manifest as, as a different associates and so forth. Um, with regard to Krishna, they manifest um, in the in three different places. So in, in Mathura, in Dwarka, Mathura, and Vrindavan. Dwarka is said to be perfect. Mathura in Krishna is, perfect, is more perfect than in Vrindavan. He is most perfect. And so uh, most perfect means the fullest expression of Krishna. So we have Krishna in three different places. We have, um, I forget how he rewrites his equation in 96, but three times 
there's four different personality types, the Dhiradhatta, the Dhiradhatta, the Dhir Prashanta, uh, as, as you mentioned, and so forth. Um, anyway, uh, I can't recall exactly the, um, how he adds them all up, but Krishna is the personification of all, all of these. All of these types of heroes uh, and the qualities of all of them are expressed in Krishna in one place or one time or another. But to cut to the chase of your question, um, our concern as Brajbhaktas, as in, in the pursuit of Brajbhakti, is dear Lita Krishna, dear Lalita. This is one of the four types of personality. You'll find him dear Prashanta in other places like in Dwarka, Dhira, um, Dhira and so forth. But the dear Lita pertains particularly to Braj and his condition there of being subjugated by, uh, by Radha's love. Uh, so he's most, uh, if you will, uh, vulnerable. And, and therefore knowable there. Everything, everything in him comes out in the dear Alita Krishna, uh, and the influence of the love there in Braj, which is fully personified as Radha, uh, um, brings that out in him. So with regard to those four types of personalities, it's the dear Alita Krishna and 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 the devotees in each of those places, Tura, Dwarka, Vrindavan, they have love that corresponds with the with the particular personality that Krishna manifests therein. So dearly to Krishna, Kijai. Jai, thank you very much. The next question is from Nadia Dam from Chile. She says, Pranam Guru Maharaj, my question is as follows. You were present personally when Srila Siddhar Maharaj mentioned Srila Prabhupada's condition of Sakyavesh avatar. And Govinda Maharaj then asked, what kind of avesh was Prabhupada? To which Srila Siddhar Maharaj replied that it was a Nityananda avesh. Could you expand a little on the on the explanation that Srila Sriramaraj gave at that time about Prabhupada's condition of Sakyavesh avatar. When did that empowerment in Prabhupada start? How did it begin? What were the symptoms, etc.? Yes, um, I think that uh, I would be a little reticent to say that Prabhupada was a Sakyavesh avatar. I realized that but I think in a more broader sense, he meant that he was empowered by a particular, uh, uh, Avesh means to be empowered by a particular power of Bhagwan, which is the meaning of Shaktivesh avatar. There's two types given by the Rupa Swami. One type is a Jiva who's empowered by God with a particular potency to do a particular act for a particular period of time. The other is Bhagavan himself appearing as a particular potency of himself, the Palada Shakti in the case of, of Prithu, Gyan um, Shakti in the case of Vyasa and so forth. So I suppose you could refer to Prabhupada in the latter sense 
Um, but I, I just a little, uh, I just a little reluctant to say because it wouldn't ring very well in Prabhupada's ears. <laughs> but it's true that, that he was uh, particularly empowered in the, in the, in the now to say Nityananda Vesh is to, is to take it to, uh, you know, to extend the idea because the different types of Shaktis and Shaktivashavatars are described in the texts, particularly Lagu Bhagavatamrita, uh, Rupa Goswami, and you know this doesn't include Chaitanya Leela and so forth. So uh, it was a curious question on the part of uh, of uh, Govinda Maharaj, and a, a very interesting and insightful answer from Shri Maharaj, who said Nityananda Vesh. So he said he was particularly empowered hmm, by Nityananda Prabhu to do the kind of service that he felt, that Prabhupada felt, was what was desired of him from Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And to substantiate his um, his statement and insights, uh, he went on to describe uh, different characteristics uh, that we uh, that were notable in Prabhupada that um, corresponded with the characteristics of Nityananda Prabhu. We'll go to some of those, but with regard to the time and place, um, it was, uh, depending on Shidomars, I think it's, it's, it's very, um, insightful. He knew Prabhupada, uh, before Prabhupada ever went to, North, to, to, to the Americas and so forth. And when he came back, when Prabhupada returned to India for the first time, he came to visit with Shidomars and to observe the Vyasa Puja. Of Pujapad Sridhar Marsh. was described at that time. He noticed there was something different about Prabhupada. He seemed to be empowered. Hmm? Although he dealt with Sridhar Marsh in the same way, very intimately and, and so forth, um, he uh, noted a, a distinct difference. And then uh, when he came upon, I don't know how he got it, but somebody, somebody gave him the, the prayer that Prabhupada composed. On the Jaladuta, on the ship, cargo ship, where he reflects very deeply and appeals to his friend Krishna, Krishna Bhai, um, and makes an appeal to him for the power to do the bidding of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, which he understood uh, was it was a, was an order on the part of the Thakur that he, the Prabhupada, preached to the people of the Western world. And it was a daunting task in his mind. And so appropriately, uh, he petitioned Krishna for the power uh, to do that. So when Pujapajita came in touch with that poem, I don't know when, but he had it, of course, at the time that we're referring to when he was explaining his um, insight about Prabhupada Avesh. Um, he said that that because he had seen him previously and then when he saw him later he found a difference of this empowerment present and he sensed that and then when he read the poem he put it together because before he left on the boat on Baudet Purnim from Bombay he was in one condition on the boat in the Atlantic he prayed for the power specifically 
to Krishna in a very beautiful uh, prayer that also reveals his own sentiments uh, for for Sakirasa. Uh, he, he negotiates with Krishna in the in the refrain of the poem, um, referring to him as his friend, my dear friend. He advises him in a way that a, that an Armasaka would, or like Subal would give moral advice to Krishna. Uh, Krishna, I think it would be good for you that if you do, you know, if you can please Radharani, if you can do her bidding, then you're, that would be a real sense of, um, uh, morality for you, or it'd be, it'd be very dharmic of you. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, it's very charming the way he, Phrases that he says for sure. It's like, uh, like, like, bolito like this pole star druva is said to be fixed. This is fixed forever. But if Radharani is pleased with you, then your life will be uh, successful. Then you can call yourself a religious person, which would be successful in terms of the, of the Dharmic, um, Varnashram perspective. Um, and, um, and so, he got Krishna's attention, right? And then he says, goes up, Prabhupada goes on to say in his prayer that Bhakti Siddhanta, my guru asked me to do this and so forth. And Sridhar was reasonable. His guru is, is in the camp of Radharani as Nayana Mani Manjari. And so he's asking Krishna to give him the power hmm, to please Radharani by allowing him the, giving him the power to please, uh, her Manjari. If Ramanjari is pleased, Radharani will be pleased. This is his reasoning. I mean, this is like so core Gaudiya. It's un, it's a, it, you couldn't get any more central. Once I was in Vrindavan speaking with Chaitanya Goswami, one of the Goswamis from the uh, uh, Radharaman Mandir, and he had met Prabhupada when he was a younger, younger, much younger man, really kind of a boy. Um, and, um, and it was a fascinating thing. You know, he was in Vrindavan and it was at this uh, commotion. He had some students and so forth. And he had a chance to talk with Prabhupada. So he wanted to test Prabhupada because he was like a little out of the, little different, you know. He was wearing a saffron and you know, he had these people from the West and what, what was going on here. And so he said, I asked him, I said, Prabhupada, uh, Swamiji, you know, how can we please Krishna? Hmm? And then uh, he said, and, and, and Swamiji said, he said, told me, by pleasing Radharani, then I knew, he said, he was so excited like a little boy. Then I knew, oh, he's, he is so bona fide. He has given the perfect answer. Uh, so this is a core Gaudiya, of course, idea. And, um, and Srinamar's reasoned that, well, um, you know, proper praise for that empowerment there. Uh, Exhibiting very intense Sharanagati, the first half of the poem. In the second half of the poem, he begins to exhibit his bhava um, by expressing a yearning hmm, that should I be able to c- complete or, or fulfill the ambition, the order, the ideal of my Guru Maharaj by your grace with your power and so forth, then I want to enter into your pastimes and herd cows. With you, Tomara Milane Pai Abarshe Shukopai Gotrani Guridin Poa. 
uh, showing up in places of ill repute. Mm -hmm. um, and just to, just to exaggerate the point, so to go beyond the limits that the sannyas uh, status uh, afforded him for creating a teachable moment, he empowered Nityananda Prabhu to go. That's why he told him to marry. Hmm? Marry, go to the go to the bar, hang out with people there, hmm? and preach to them about Krishna consciousness. Talk to the you can convert the prostitutes. If you see Nitya, the famous saying, the saying is if you see Nityananda with the prostitute, you should know he's only there in a bar, he's only there for uh for delivering them. Hmm? So to those quarters, hmm, even outside of the Varnashram, the whole of the Saptagram area in Bengal, which was his main preaching area, large area of um, um, the mercantile class, uh, the Vaishas, they were gold merchants. They had been disenfranchised socially and religiously um, by the um, Balal Sain, the king. They were in a position socially, from a Hindu perspective, similar to that of Haridas Thakur. They were outside of Arnashram. So they weren't a place where Hindu Brahmins and sannyasis, for example, would, would be hanging out or uh, find, uh, keeping their company and so forth. Not that they were appropriately disenfranchised. That's another issue, but they were. And it did not made a special um, concession for them. In fact, it's said in Chaitanya Bhagavat that he appeared in the world just to deliver the people, just to deliver the, the such people. And, um, and, and of course, we are the extension of that, right? Uh, Nityananda Prabhu was sent there. Mahaprabhu even told him, don't come to the Radhiyatra every year, stay there. Uh, he told him, Really, the implications he told him to marry, which would make him ordinary. Hmm? Who, who's going to listen to the other, another house? What householder is going to listen to another householder? <laughs> it's kind of, kind of the spirit of that. But, you know, being who he was, um, and the way he, uh, you know, people did listen to him, obviously. He delivered. And the merchants of Sapagram are huge. And the, the dispensation, the spreading of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, this is the characteristic of Nityananda Prabhu amongst the members of the Panchatattva that he is most noted for, for. And to the downtrodden and to the places where even a sannyasi wouldn't would, would go. So, Sridhar made, Pujapati made a parallel, you know, drew a parallel. Prabhupada went to the Western countries. To the outcasts, to the, you know, outside of the Varnashram. Why, these are some of the characteristics of that empowerment. He had a preaching campaign that was very much corresponded with the preaching campaign of the Dinanapu. Although Prabhupada wrote many books at the same time, his books often don't like cross the T's and dot the I's in very fine, fine, fine theological detail, like you're going to find in the Sandarvas or some of the earlier um, foundational commentaries that, uh, that were they were trying to just build a case for Gaudiya Vedanta itself, drawing on so many texts. I mean, he draws on many texts, obviously, but does so by drawing on the principal commentaries 
and comparatively speaking, his commentaries are more like written with a sense of urgency and compelling with simpler arguments, good arguments with basic Krishna conscious points, um, but written in a compelling way to get people on board and get them going and experiencing, basically, rather than sitting them down and giving them a theological, you know, uh, PhD in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. His idea was, these are the basic ideas, and this is important, it's emergent, it's, it's urgent, it's for now, you've got a human form of life, you know, and, and if you want negative impetus, you're dying and you'll be, take birth again in a womb and it'll be painful and get, and so, and, and Krishna is beautiful and he can solve all the problems. And, you know, he was living that. And so it was very powerful, but that was, you know, kind of the nature of his commentaries in comparison to some other uh, ways of commentating, commenting on the text. And that is also not that anything on the road books he didn't, but his outreach was very simple comparatively and very much uh, uh, his persona, you know, was, um, was carrying the day, which was the case with Prabhupada. His persona was <laughs> was extraordinary. I mean, it was just, uh, I've been around the block here, you know, met a lot of sadhus. And Prabhupada was a very extraordinary person. And Puja Patrinavar's testimony, making testimony to the, to, to the same extent, you know, to, to, in the same sense. I saw him when he came back, and, oh, I could see there was something special about him. Prabhupada walk in, could walk in a room and cause, you know, the room to weep. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, he, he, he had, uh, uh, you know, this extraordinary, uh, uh, empowerment. And it is, in many respects, analogous to that of Nityananda, very simple, but very compelling and really getting people going. And this is proper that you get, you want to know what Krishna consciousness here, experience it. Hmm? That's how you will know it. Better than, you know, and, and there are disciples that probably that know what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is more, hmm, even though they are less theologically uh, astute and aware and schooled, who are more, more, understand more what Krishna consciousness is than other devotees hmm, who are well, much more, much more, more better is the right word, much, much better schooled. In theology and philosophy, and can say, I don't know, Prophet said that over there. It should have been said like this, and should have been said like that to dis, you know, disqualify him and so forth. And, and you know, you can do things like that theologically. I wish he hadn't said it like that. That Jivagoswami says it like this over here, or you know. But 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 there, I can tell you, there are disciples of Prabhupada that are less theologically schooled that know and understand what Krishna consciousness is more than some that are better schooled because of the experience that they had, that Prabhupada created an environment where they could experience. It was so intense. We were young boys and girls in his own, you know, uh, terminology. Um, and rightly so compared to him in his seventies. And I mean, we had no time for anything, anything. Anything we didn't know who the president was, you know, you know, whatever we didn't we didn't know we didn't know anything but but what he wanted us to do in in the immediate, and it was worship Krishna, love Krishna, 
you know, tell other people about Krishna. Um, and, and, you know, he created an entire like social scene, you know, as well, that was at the same time, very, um, very, very, uh, very Krishna conscious in its uh, social interactions that we had with one another and so forth. And it was very experiential. I mean, my, my bliss, my ecstasy now is not of a different quality or more than my ecstasy um, from, you know, some day at the Chicago airport selling a book to somebody and my hair is standing on end, you know. Um, I know more. I know a lot more. <laughs> a lot more. Um, but I knew a lot less and experienced at at times as much bliss. Maybe we can say it's, it's more consistent, but an ongoing and present. But so, um, so Prabhupada's campaign was like that. It was it was a simple with a sense of urgency, and his example was exceeded his teachings. His teachings were were excellent, excellent uh, in terms of you know uh, what he said uh, and and what it the way it, it, it compelled us, you know, to conduct ourselves. And and then, of course, Srinamar said, and everywhere he established Gornitai deities. Of course, he established Radhakrishna deities, too, and often Jagannath uh, Swami, who was very uh, dear to him. But it was peculiar to everywhere establish Gornitai deities in comparison, for example, to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthakura established Radhakrishna with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Um, some of his disciples established Gorgadadhar. Hmm? This is more of a Madhurya Rasa, you know, kind of uh, perspective. Um, and um, it's not that Gornatai Didis aren't, Gornatai Didis come from Goridas Pandit. Goridas Pandit was the uh, Narmasaka in Gaur Leela. Uh, Suval, through whom Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, uh, manifested the Archon Seva, Deity Seva of Gore and Nityanandapu. Gore Daspandit was worshipped, he was told by him, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu looked at a nearby neem tree and, 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 and impressed that neem tree with himself and Nityananda and said, carve that tree into deities of us and we'll stay with you that way. And of course, he did and he worshipped them. He was very poor, but he worshipped them as opulently as he could. He worked very hard cooking, feasts, you know, all day long and so forth. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was pained to see the efforts that he was making. And he told him, in this form, which has never been worshipped before, Right in the history of the world that you're worshiping with my uh, under my order, uh, it, it accepts very simple worship, just simple, you know, simple some simple vegetable and some flower garland, you know, for decoration is sufficient. And Gauri Das Pandit said, "You can get that anywhere. Any household can provide that." By saying that, he said. You can, your, your deity work can go any, these deities can go anywhere. <laughs> Mahaprabhu said, okay, that's true. So there they are. Now they're everywhere. 
Goridas Pandit sent Gornitananda Murthy's everywhere. And Prabhupada at one point said, we should get little Murthy's of Gornitai, we'll call them magic dolls, and give them to people and say, if you wave the incense at them and chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, all your desires will be fulfilled. Hmm? Now, to have the power to do that with Gornitananda, put them in that condition. That's an example of how empowered he became, right? But the worship of Gornatai so widely was not something characteristic in Godiamat. So and Prabhupada was a member of Godiamat, a disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta. So we see this other side influence of Nityananda Prabhu coming. Um, and of course, ultimately, Sridhar Marsh referred to the fact that another example that Prabhupada established Krishna Balaram deities as the central deities in Vrindavan, his home, uh, his ultimate destination, call it the Krishna Balaram temple, um, and so forth. And, you know, then to go back earlier, he traced out his early life as well and said how, explained how he was a member of the Saptagram community, Abhay Charan Day. Day was one of the, I think, Day and I forget the other name. Uh, practically all of Calcutta was was um, from from uh, extensions of the Saptagram com- community at the time of the British, when the British made um, Calcutta their capital. Sil, uh, Sil, is it Sil and Day? I can't remember. Anyway, so uh, as a as a child, Prabhupada uh, went with his family annually to the Saptagram community where Udarandatta Thakur's um, preaching center is, and Udarandatatakwa was the patron saint of their family, um, and Udarandatatakwa is a, 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 a Narmasaka Subahu, one of the Dwarasagopals, one of the principal, the, the principal associate of Nityananda Prabhu, who was the extension of Nityananda's, um, uh, overtly speaking, magnanimity. He was very uh, 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 he was his, the right-hand man of Nityananda Prabhu for wide uh, dissemination of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. So the wide dissemination corresponds to the, the, the worship of Krishna Balaram. These Dvarsa Gopals, you'll find deities of Krishna Balaram and following Gauragas Pandit, Gornitai, in that community. So he made a connection. He's born in this family. This, this He's coming from this background. Connected with Bhakti Siddhanta, there the Madhuri element comes in, and Sakya becomes mm, uh, Narma Sakya, mm, Sakya Bhav imbued with 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 an element of Madhuriya, like yogurt imbued with honey, mm, making it sweeter, uh, and so forth. So he drew these kind of uh, these are some of the ways in which he uh, um, compared mm, Prabhupada of the characteristics, characteristic of his mission and his person, that of Nityananda Prabhu, hmm, um, was very, very insightful, um, very powerful, um, very compelling. And it was something that I had always um, um, just kind of intuitively 
without just course problems of cowboy that, that's obvious and, and, and I always used to preach that the, preach that the gopi bob was the highest thing but but for myself I was like those pictures of Krishna and the coward boys that were put in the walls in the temple in the New Dwarka that I meditated on while chanting Japa. This is always my, my ideal. Uh, but, you know, I hadn't thought it out deeply theologically and so forth. So to hear all of that together with the prayer and his explanation of Prophet's prayer, which was much more accurate and rasic than how the uh, ISKCON um, devotees, disciples of Prabhupada had translated it, they had they missed the whole point of it. Uh, so it was very powerful. And uh, and it's because of that and uh, arguments opposed to that reality of Prabhupada's Sakya Bhav and empowerment by Nityananda Prabhu on the part of persons well-intended who were uninformed about many of these things. It's because of that that I wrote a book like Circle of Friends, which is circulating amongst a few people for endorsements and they're coming back uh, in a, with uh, uh, very flattering, I should say, very flattering. So uh, it's been extremely, I would say, extremely well received uh, with some surprise on the part of those I've, I've sent it to for endorsements thus far scholars and uh, and well-known devotees so so the grace of uh, Prabhupada and Pujapachita Marsh that was a long answer so thank you for the question what's the next one okay the next question is from Sadri yes then Vasguru Maharaj, you actually answered in this. My question was exactly about this prayer of Prabhupada towards uh, Krishna that he will get punya if he satisfies Radharani. And I was just wondering why he didn't ask, he didn't say that uh, satisfying his guru is a manjari. I was thinking, like, isn't it supposed that um, one is asking Krishna to that he has the ability to the possibility to satisfy the guru, but you actually, yeah, you already yeah. answered. Yeah, thank yeah. You. After after that refrain, which is the beginning of the poem, then he says, "My, my guru, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati." He starts talking about Gorilla, what he asked him to do in Gorilla, but he's not overt about, "And my guru is a manjari." And uh, but Firamarsh put all that together, of course, insightfully. That's he's drawing out from there. Hmm? Um, I mean, and, it's, and you look at it, it's, well, it makes, makes perfect sense. But he's saying, why is he saying to Krishna, if you do the bidding of Radharani, then your life will be successful. Hmm? And therefore I have a request of you. Well, it has to, they have to, it has to connect, right? Hmm? Request is, I want the power to preach. And so how, what does that have to do with pleasing Radharani? Well, you have to look and see. Well, oh, so this guru, is in Manjari Bhav and he she asked him to do this. So then he's right. <laughs> Very charming. Okay. Okay, the what next else? question is from can you hear me go much? Yep. Um my internet connection is a little um unstable, so if anything gets cut out, just let me know and I'll re re but the next question is from Ekendra from New Zealand. He says, did Krishna actually eat dirt? I read one commentary 
that said that he pretended to eat the dirt to stir up emotions. If he actually did eat it, then why would he do that? Depends who you ask. If you ask Krishna, he didn't eat dirt. Definitely not. <laughs> so, what to do? Rather, Yashoda resorted to asking an authority. Isn't Krishna the highest authority? Well, in the Brajlila, no. His brother is a older and he's a more of an authority. So she asked Balaram, did Krishna eat dirt? And he said, yeah. And then Krishna said, what kind of friend are you? How could you tell on me like that? So it depends who you ask. If you ask Krishna, he'll say no. But if you ask Balaram, he says, yeah, he did, actually. Now, why would he eat dirt? Um, well, he would eat dirt from one, from one point of view so that, so that, so that, so that Yashoda would be, uh, caused to look inside of his mouth to, you know, find out for sure. Okay, so Krishna says he did, and Balaram said he did. He probably did, but uh, if you didn't, my dear son, then open your mouth. Let's see. What did she, what, and so he opened his mouth. What did she see? There was dirt inside. The whole earth was inside, in fact, right? The whole universe was inside. And she was inside one of the universes, looking inside Krishna's mouth, inside which there were universes and so on. And she just closed his mouth. And, and from that, Aishvarya, she will, she had to reclaim her, 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 her Madhurya and, and, uh, and dismiss it to some type of, some type of hallucination on her part and, and we don't find that she chastised him then after finding out there's actually dirt inside of him and there's dirt outside of him and he's inside of dirt and he's outside of dirt. <laughs> uh, right? Uh, as he says in the Gita, that is, that is, this is an, an example in the Leela, um, that speaks to us of the, of the, uh, metaphysical, um, underpinning of, of the Gaudiya Lila perspective, which is a chinti beta beta, right? He was outside on earth, sitting on, on Yashoda's lap. She looked inside his mouth and he was, and the universe was inside of him. <laughs> He's outside on, standing on a planet on, in the universe. He looked inside, he, the universe is inside of him. So everything's inside of him. Everything's outside of him at the same time. Um, how can it be? By Chincha Shakti, inconceivable power, Gita says. Ninth chapter. So, um, so there, there's a philosophical lesson to be drawn from there. Why did Krishna eat dirt? So we could learn something about Chinti Beta Beta Tattva. Uh, but you're asking in the, in the context of what were they doing? Why would he eat dirt? What, you know, who knows what children of that age will do, right? Mm-hmm. Cows eat dirt. So he probably thought the cows eat dirt. I'll also eat dirt. Hmm? Cows eat dirt. They, they 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 find there's some mineral 
lacking in them and they go they lick on something eat some lick on a rock eat some dirt right so he was imitating the cows which is you know typical of his uh you know indicative of his nature and destiny as the cow herd the more you can be like the cows the better you can take care of them and know their needs and so forth but uh, obviously he went a little too far with that (laughs) so that's my answer next question that was a nice twist that that cow dirt eating is that uh from a commentary or did you just that it just came to now that's my commentary today yeah <laughs> i remember when i came to audaria i couldn't believe when i saw the cows eating the, the clay bank you know i was like uh-huh. it didn't make any sense probably most people listening to this like huh cows eat dirt don't they eat grass but yeah they do anyway the next question is from krishnadas uh, Dandavats, good morning, Guru Maharaj. Uh, good morning. Uh, so my question is regarding uh, Srila Sridhar Maharaj's attitude towards books like Ujval Nilamani, Gita Govinda, and Govinda Lilamrita. So from what I had heard from some devotees out here, the Sri Chaitanya Saraswat Mat and Santa Cruz, um, from what I had heard, they had told me that Srila Sridhar Maharaj never read those books himself due to strong feelings of humility and reverence towards them. And because of that, those devotees um, similarly kind of had such an attitude and they would tell me things like, we never read those books, we worship them, or Guru Maharaj didn't feel qualified to read them, so how could we think ourselves fit to do so? So, But then on the other hand, I've heard that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur allowed disciples to read those after a certain period of time, and Srila Prabhupada quotes those in several of his commentaries, um, and I know others in our party of our also are well versed in those books as well. So I guess I was wondering, since Srila Sridhar Maharaj is in our Parampara and this is the attitude, I guess I was wondering, like, what is the proper uh, attitude for uh, those who um, see him as an authority to have in regards to those books? And what is the proper uh, adhikar to read them? Because I've heard reading them without the proper adhikar can be very detrimental. So. No, I think that you have to look at the statements of Sridhar Marsh um, in, uh, in light of his own example. And um, with regard to that, he told us that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvatabha only allowed his disciples to read certain sections of Chaitanya Charitamrita. He did not allow them to read Anti Lila. He did not allow them to read the Ramananda Samvad. And um, he gave greater emphasis to reading the Chaitanya Bhagwat. The Chaitanya Bhagwat is not as esoteric. Uh, it doesn't really dip very deeply at all into Madhurya Rasa. Um, at the same time, however, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswataka did write a commentary following Bhakti Binod's commentary on the whole of Chaitanya Chaitanya. Mm-hmm. And what Sridhar told us that he didn't allow his disciples to read those sections. Now, what was the favorite uh, part of Chaitanya Charitamrita for Sridhar What was his favorite part? 
his favorite part of Chaitanya Charitamrita was the Ramana Samvad. <laughs> so he obviously read it. So he's able to hear those instructions and understand them in spirit, the spirit of them, and know that there was no uh, prohibition in an absolute sense from reading those books. They were written to be read, and at a certain point, um, devotees who were more qualified, which is what you're asking about, would be qualified to to study them, and he certainly did. Um, um, I don't think he read Udva Nirmani. He may have said that. I do believe he said that. Um, but um, um, it wasn't as readily available. I did not think he couldn't get a copy of it. But he did do a whole translation of Bhakti Rasamrita to Sindhu with the commentaries of, I believe that all the commentaries are there as well, Jiva Goswami. Vishwanath, maybe not again. I have a copy here. That's all in Bengali. He translated it into Bengali. Um, but I think that um, um, it, uh, um, there's a place for reading all of the books. And uh, an example I've given illustrates that point, right? Mm-hmm. Prabhupada read Chaitanya Charitamrita, wrote, wrote, wrote a whole commentary on it distributed it to people who didn't even weren't even devotees. And he called it the PhD study of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And, and if it would have, would have been so displeasing to Bhakti Siddhanta, then how could he have gotten the results that he did, obviously. So certain certain statements are made at certain times for certain purposes. And one has to come become acquainted with what the times and what the purpose are. Otherwise, one's subject to Nimagraha, following rules without understanding their purpose. And so I don't think that it's, I don't agree with the idea that I'm a disciple of Sridhar Maharaj, therefore I should never read Ujjval Nilmani, for example. Um, Or what other books did you mention? Uh, Gita Govinda and uh, Govinda Lilamrita. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I don't agree with that. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a mistaken way of, um, thinking that one is adhering to Pujapachita Marsh. It's not bad necessarily, but when it becomes like, oh, Guru Maharaj said this, they're doing that over there, they're wrong, we're right, kind of a thing, but it turns into something like that. It's obviously problematic. And, and for that matter, you know, you have to look at time and circumstance and so forth. And when you have other Gaudiya sects who have read the books that weren't available even at the time hmm, widely or there wasn't even Gaudiya Vaishnavism when Prabhupada started, you know, what, there, was not, there were no books except his books. It's quite different now. The times are quite different now. Um, and so if someone in that group is a teacher in particular, you would think that he or she should be acquainted with some of these, some of these texts to be able to comment on them and, and, and so forth. Let's speak of a book like Gubinali Lamakis for relishing a book like Udvali Lamakis is really tattva. It's a tattva book. Gita Govinda is a Leela book that's very high. Uh, 
Udvil Nimlani is a, is a tatva book. It's a tatva of, it's a very complicated book. What is, what is, you know, Mahabhav, what is Anurag? What, it's, which you, which you can hardly even explain if you try to, but, you know, but they give examples and so forth. It, it, it's not, um, yeah, like Gita Govinda. They're, they're, they're very different books. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a higher book about Madhuri Ras. But, uh, but then again, do you have to read that book to become Krishna conscious? No. Mm-hmm. You don't have to read that book to become Krishna conscious. So there's a couple ways of looking at it. You could say, Guru Maharaj never read that. I, so I'm not, I don't have to read it. You know, and, and in your own circle, that may be fine and so forth. But maybe a, a, a place to be more well-read and do, at, as such, be able to do greater service in terms of representing the spirit of Pujapashrita or Marsha, it's, it's possible. Does that help? Uh, yes, thank you very much, Guru Maharaj. That's very helpful. Okay. Yeah. okay the next question is from uh, Uddhava. Okay. Hi, Krishna. Um, my question is about uh, Sankirtan. About what? Sankirtan. Sankirtan. Yes, Sankirtan. Uh, what will be a practical application of Sankirtan for uh, uh, somebody who lives alone? Haridas Thakur chanted 300,000 names a day, 3 lakhs a day, right? It said that he chanted 1 lakh mentally, manasa. One lakh, one thousand, hundred thousand names, upamsa, whispering, and one hundred thousand names loud. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari 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 Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. Several places in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the chanting of Hari Das Thakur is referred to by Krishna Das Kaviraja as Sankirtan. So if you take the loud chanting of Hari Krishna, Japa, Mantra, Hmm? Japa is a limb, an anga of smaranam, of meditation. But if you chant in remembering the name out loud, it becomes a limb of kirtan. Hmm? So chanting japa out loud, that is also sankirtan. Hmm? Following the example of Haridas Thakur. And there's the example of how he converted the prostitute. She heard his chanting because he was chanting out loud. She became converted. Hmm. So you can do Sankirtan in your home alone with your beads, hmm. chanting out loud. Um, sometimes we say Sankirtan, so some means, you know, together, many, you know, with others, congregational. Hmm. And that's kind of probably the root of your question. How do I do congregational chanting when there's, I'm the only one in the congregation? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, that's, that's, uh, you can do kirtan. It's true. You can't do, you can't do some kirtan in the, in the sense of being together with others, but it is referred to. 
a Sankirtan by Krishna Skabirash Goswami. So I would look at it like that. Does that help? Yes. Okay, Krishna Sankirtan Kijai. Very much. Uh, one thought came to mind. Isn't it basically we're doing Sankirtan right now because we're glorifying Krishna? We have questions, you answer questions. So yeah, it's we'll a form of Kirtan. Part in every time. Form of Kirtan, but the, the, the Sankirtan or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu most more precisely refers to Nam. Nam. This is a form of Kirtan. It's hearing and chanting the Bhagavatam. Speaker and here that's a form of, of kirtan also. Yeah, we're all together here doing kirtan. It's good. Is there another question? Or no? Well, there's one more question from Braj Hari, but it's a more kind of an elaborate question. There's not that much time. I'm thinking it'd be probably better to save it for next week. Okay, next week it is then. That's from who? Braj Hari? Yeah. Okay. All right, nice to be with you all. Go Bhakta Vrindaki Jai. Go Premanandi. Hai Haribo. Shilagra March Ki Jai.